It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Well, give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And an espresso, too. And a cannoli. And I put on too much weight when I go there. Go there. Find out why. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, you guessed it, you knew it was coming, my book. Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now right now like while you're watching or listening to the show just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com find out why i'm so adamant about getting tom molino's story told and finally today's show is being brought to us uh in part by our 24-hour seven-day-a-week boxing channel billy c boxing find out all the information how you can watch it on roku and all the other uh, top uh, streaming services. Just visit uh, GinecoUSA.com. That's G-I-N-I-K-O-USA.com. And uh, it's free. Sign up, uh, create create account. It's free. Yeah, did, did I mention? It's free. Yeah, I, you know, the the beauty of this thing, just, just so you know, you know, uh, Sal and I did uh, uh, some other uh, uh, specials. Are, you've heard us talking about the Billy C. Boxing Revisited. Well, that's up there. Some other shows that we've done is up there. Some shows I've done years ago are up there. Um, some great stuff. And I'm not talking about this show. I'm talking about live events and, and special events, some great interviews. Uh, you got to uh, check it out. You won't uh, regret it. Anyway, um, we're going to be talking about all the uh, the big fights this uh, that took place this past weekend. We'll start off with, uh, the, the, I guess, the, the most publicized fight. Um, Tank Davis, Javante Davis, uh, made quick work of former uh, world champion Hugo Ruiz uh, last night. Uh, two minutes and 59 seconds of the very first round. Uh, Tank Davis looked fantastic really uh but like i said we didn't see three full minutes uh, of action but the thing i love about this guy uh is that he's got this the hand speed and the accuracy and he is a fighter he referred to himself as a fighter and um i i really believe he is i really believe he is the sad part is the sport of boxing today will we get him will we get a chance to see him actually fight I mean, no disrespect to Hugo Ruiz. He's a former world champion, but he was also moving up in weight. It was evident that he couldn't take uh, the shots from Tank Davis, despite Tank Davis being smaller. He was just a compact, more powerful package. And uh, at the end of the fight, uh, when they uh, talked to uh, uh, Ruiz, he said he just seemed, everything that he threw just seemed so hard and powerful. And you wouldn't think that, you know, a 10-pound difference 
uh, would be that much, but uh, it really affected Hugo Ruiz last night. Joining me to get his thoughts uh, is the man I mentioned before. Yeah, the guy who gives me pizza, cannolis, all that other stuff. Uh, Sal, Rocky, Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, what did you think of the fight, brother? Well, I'll tell you what. I uh, I was looking forward to it. And, you know, we, we you and I, we, we've always liked Tank Davis. And, and, you know, he went through a period where we thought he was losing uh, a little bit of his his momentum with, with getting a, a little bit away from his core uh, uh, program with his uh, training and fighting and his head. But I'll tell you what, I, I know he went to the boot camp of Cunningham, uh, like a couple of other fighters, and he looks like he's back on track and he's straight and he's solid, and he's going to be an exciting fighter uh, if he stays on track for years to come. And uh, I thought he was very good, very effective, obviously, as a southpaw. That right jab, you made a note. Not only was it fast, but he was so accurate with it. That thing kept going out there like a trip hammer. And it hit Ruiz, and uh, it opened up other things. And before the end came, Ruiz caught Tank with a right lead, and but had no effect. And then, boom! Right, right away, you saw that Tank threw a straight right, a uh, straight left hand as a southpaw, and he followed it with a picture-perfect right hook. And it was a delayed reaction, but uh, Ruiz went down and. He, he had enough. That was it. You know, what I like about Davis is that, and, and, and I hope it's not just because he's young, but when he goes in, and he, it's it, to me, I've seen it in all of his fights. Uh, he did have the one fight where he looked uh, very ordinary when he came in overweight and lost his title on the scale. But for the most part, he goes in to destroy his opponent. Uh, and I'm not saying he's a wild fighter. You know, I'll, no. I'll get to a, a, a wild fighter a little bit later, but um, he's not wild. He's but he but he's aggressive. He's moving forward, as you indicate. He he sets everything up with his jab. He's got really. Uh, I, I mean, he's fast. There's no question about he's it. Fast. He's very very fast, fast and accurate. And, and accurate. Um, I, you know, the inactivity could hurt him. Um, the fact that. This fight, this particular fight, did not go one round. Uh, and then depending upon when he fights again, it, you know, the lack of, of going, you know, the distance, so to speak. And I don't even mean going the distance of 12 rounds. I mean just going several rounds right. uh, may hurt him. The other thing that bothers me leading up to this fight, there was an article written on the Ring Observer. My man Mitch uh, sent this to me, and I, and I got um, – all uptight of it. Now, you know, I, I don't like to talk about uh, Floyd Mayweather anymore because I, I don't consider him uh, relevant to the sport of boxing right now, even even though, you know, there's talk of him coming back and all that. And, and we'll talk about it when it happens. But I, I can't help but mentioning that, you know, he was the promoter of record last night for the Tank Davis fight. And... Um, he was in the press, and, 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 and basically he admitted that he's handpicking easy opponents for Javante Davis, and he wants people to understand that, you know, it's not Davis's fault, it's his fault. And, you know, I, I just got to thinking, and, and the way, uh, you know, the, 
the the way he justifies this is he says, you know, to keep value in fighters, you can't have them lose because the networks won't want them and you can't bill them uh, as being undefeated, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where I really think the sport um, uh, was ruined uh, by Floyd. You know, Floyd Mayweather, there's no secret that I'm not a big fan of his. But the truth is, is early in his career, prior to him going on his own, he fought a lot of tough uh, guys at the lower weights, lightweight and what have you. And then once he freed himself from uh, Bob Arum, he went on this cherry-picking thing. And, and, and for all due respect for him, he uh, parlayed it into a very successful financial uh, career. But the price that it really paid, in my opinion, was that it ruined the outlook on the sport of boxing because now networks say, well, we need a guy like Floyd Mayweather. We need an undefeated guy. Let's not put your fighter on unless he's undefeated. So a manager and a promoter said, well, we can't risk getting a loss. So they build up these fighters with less than stellar opposition. And here's another example that Floyd is even uh, publicly stating that he would do that. I don't think that's fair to, to Tank Davis, Sal. What's your thoughts? Well, I, I, I understand. You know, styles make fights. From the history of the first bell or, or, or hammer ever hitting something to resonate as a start. Uh, and, you know, I could see Floyd just looking for the optimal style that would make his fighters look very good and have an opportunity to uh, defeat their opponent. However, with that being said, if you're looking at former world champions or guys past their prime or something else that you, you know, hint that might be cherry picked, uh, you know, there's always that chance. Any given night, anybody could lose. So it, it, even if that was the goal or that was what he's planning to do and that's what he's done, it's still subject to a couple of other variables that come into the play the night of the fight. Um, it's, it's probability and outcome, like the laws of, uh, of, of nature or actuaries or whatever. I'm not getting too much into that. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that the zero, the O, in, in someone's record, yes, it's sa saleable, it's marketable, it's great. But when you have a few losses, and you're in some good wars, and you come back and you maybe have a, a rematch and you defeat your opponent and you do things. I mean, that, that's the legacy of boxing. Those are the great fighters that we talk about every day that come up at a kitchen table or living room or water cooler. I mean, you look at you look at everybody that, that, has, that has happened to them. The Marvin Hagler's, the Roberto Duran, the Sugar Ray Leonard's, uh, the greatest fighter of all time in my opinion. Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, uh, except Rocky Marciano, sorry. I almost put him in there. But uh, I'll tell you what. It just goes to show that, you know, you could still have a marketable, profitable, stellar, legendary career if you have a no, if you have a, a defeat. It's what you do after the defeat and how you learn from that defeat and how you come back. You're a fighter, and when you have that mentality as a fighter, you're going to keep in the fight for as long as you physically and emotionally and mentally can. So I, I, I think that, uh, you know, Floyd looking to do what he does best, uh, protecting those O's, is one thing. But 
you know, I think Davis is the kind of guy, he seems to be the kind of guy, he's going to want to challenge himself. He's going to want to say, hey, I want I want to fight the best because I am the best. And, you know, I think we'll hear about that. And I think that, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a good couple of years. He'll have a good reign and a good grasp on uh, the boxing world. You know, it's 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 not the fighter's fault. I, I don't want to believe no. it's a fighter. With the exception of Floyd, I don't think any fighter says, "Hey, I want to," uh, you know, I, "I want to avoid all the best challenges. I I just want to yeah. make the most money." And 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 in in respect to Floyd, you know, he didn't say that in the beginning. He he realized that, you know, he was gonna you know uh, pull the <laughs> the scam uh, of the sport, uh, you know, by doing what he did the last decade of his career. But the the real issue is the lack of boxing knowledge from the. Uh, people who make the decisions to put a fight on and thinking that as long as a fighter is undefeated, that that equates to a quality fighter. Um, it's a shame because, like you said, a lot of fighters that, that you know come up with a loss and then they come back, um, chances are most of the time if they had, you know, uh, if they were a quality fighter to begin with, they learn from that loss and they get better. I, I'm convinced that fighters of today just don't get a chance to develop like they can no. by coddling them. And I don't want to see that happen with Davis. I think Davis, you know, he definitely has all the tools uh, to be a, a great fighter, a historical fighter. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I think that Tank Davis is that good. He has the tools to be one of these historically great fighters. And I think that if he's not given the chance to get in some real fights with some real opposition and and learn uh, to avoid a square, the punch you talked about when Ruiz landed, that was like square on the button. It was like somebody put an X right on his face. I mean, I mean, boom, right in his face. His hands went down. You know, what happens with these, these uh, highly talented fighters when they're constantly fighting less than stellar opposition, their their defense suffers because they don't have to worry about it. Or they're put in with a guy that doesn't have much pop, so they don't have to worry about getting put on their butt. You know, I mean, all these things that, that happen, you know, it's uh, it's a shame. Uh, and and I, I just think that, uh, uh, I just think that a, a fighter needs that opportunity to, uh, to get better, so. I agree with you, and I and I think that you know, fortunately, you know, a good amateur career, you do a lot of your testing there, but when you're going through a ten round fight, yeah, you've got to learn the whole mentality and mindset, and and that's part of it, Bill, is developing a fighter's mind into the, you know, it, it's different when you are fighting uh, uh, a four round fight, six round fight. But when you're involved in a war in a ten round fight, you don't have time to take your focus off. You don't have time. You got to keep the blinders on. You got to keep intense. You got to keep yourself mentally sharp and alert and in the fight. Because if you don't, you can check out and you're gonna wind up picking yourself off the canvas or getting hurt or something else. So, so part of that whole thing is a nurturing developmental stage process, if you will. And most of the world-class fighters have evolved along that pathway. Um, you know, I can't say enough. You know, 
I, I am fortunate enough, I've had the greatest training regimen by some of the world's greatest trainers. And I'm very fortunate. And I took for my own style the best of what they had to show me. And cumulatively, I remembered and I was tutored underneath them. And they were great, great. And every time they showed me something that the light went off or clicked, I said, man, thank you for that. That's great. And, you know, you execute it. They love it. It's great. And they would say nothing. You know, when you say thank you, they said, Sal, just remember what I showed you. And do me a favor one day. Pass that on to some other young fighter or something. And I never really understood why they would say something like that until you look at the crop of trainers and fighters today. Because a lot of those legacies or things have not been passed or the baton has not really been passed on some level. Uh, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally, how, how, how you evolve and, and, and develop as a fighter, a warrior, uh, a combatant. And I'm going to say something here, too. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's also the mindset with the old way of promoting fighters, the old way of, of looking at the whole game of boxing. None of these masters were able to pass the baton to these, and no condescending, nothing negative, these new suits that step into a role. They, instead of having the, the whole foundation of how boxing has evolved or what it's about fundamentally in a purest level, they see, okay, we got to marketing. We got to get an undefeated fighter. We got to put him against this. We got to do that. That's how we sell fights. That's how we market it. So, so I think you have the history of boxing and the, the legendary mindset and people that have built it on a promotional training managerial end and on the fighter's end. I think that that baton has not been passed completely uh, from generation to generation of fighters. That's my opinion. Well, like I said, I just think that, um, you know, uh, I, I just think that they need to fight um tougher fights and I, and in this particular case you know I'm not knocking Hugo Ruiz but think about it you yeah. know they move the kid up you know he's he's been in some wars they make a move up uh in weight to to take on Davis uh you know they're talking about Davis being a little more busy this year hopefully he will uh it would be nice to see him in in a big fight whether he's ready or not we really don't know but uh he certainly looked good uh, last night, I I I love the guy, and I hope that he uh, he continues uh, moving uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, two minute fifty nine seconds was the exact time of the first round knockout. Um, Tank Davis improves to twenty one and zero with twenty of his wins coming by knockout. Hugo Ruiz drops down to uh, thirty nine and five with thirty three knockouts. Says he's going back uh, down uh, in weight. Also on that card, Mario Barrios. Uh, scored a fourth round stoppage over Richard Zamora to improve to 23 and 0 with 15 knockouts. Uh, Zamora drops to 19 and three. Um, I thought the fight might have been stopped. I, I mean, Zamora was getting beat up, uh, but 16 seconds into the fourth round, um, or 16 seconds left in the, in the fourth round, I, I thought maybe he could have uh, uh, gone a little longer, but uh, referee Ray Corona stopped it. Uh, you never can criticize a, a referee, even though I am, uh, for stopping it too soon. It's much better than stopping it too late. Uh, also, Javier Fortuna uh, won a unanimous decision over Sharif Bogary, 
uh, in the opening fight on that network. Uh, Fortuna improves to 34 wins, two losses, and a draw with 23 knockouts. Uh, Bogery drops his uh, second fight of his career. He's 32-2 and two now. I, I believe that was his third, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I thought Bogery won the fight. Uh, and, and and here's a case where, you know, once again, we, we talk about this a lot. Uh, Fortuna, when he landed uh, punches, they seemed to be the harder punches. But the first three quarters of the fight was all Bogery. Now, Bogery um, kept getting uh, uh, warnings from the referee for, for hitting low. I, I didn't think he was hitting low. He was working the body. And none of them really, uh, maybe one or two uh, punches strayed below the belt. But for the most part, they were they were body shots. I, you know, Bogary's problem is he's a bit wild. He charges in. Uh, you're always going to see blood in his fights, mostly his, because he had butts by you know the way he charges in. But I thought uh, I thought Bogary squeaked out that fight. Uh, you didn't get to see that one, did you, Sal? No, I did not. I, I I'm, I'm sorry, I did not. Well, you know, we'll find you. We'll find you. Now you now you have to ship me some pizzas. That's the way it is. But uh, that's, that's uh, right. anyway, you know, that broadcast uh, uh, was anticlimactic uh, because I, I, it just, you know, we were waiting for for Tank Davis, and he takes care of his opponent at, at less than one round. Uh, the Barrios fight, he was in with an overmatched uh, Zamora, and the Fortuna-Bogary fight was interesting, but... Um, Ah, there could have been a little more action. Now, speak about action. If you caught the fights on the Zone Network, man, um, I, let me say this. You know, I, I've been critical of the um, of the streaming services and everything, but the Zone uh, is getting better. They had a solid broadcast last night. And they had some really good fights on. I mean, every one of these fights were competitive. And I know we've talked about this network, um, especially when you compare it to, to ESPN Plus and some of the other streaming services. Uh, and then, you know, they go up against now the only cable network in, uh, uh, in Showtime. Fox is, is doing some uh, boxing, and CBS has got some boxing. But let me tell you, DAZN seems to be separating themselves from the pack. Uh, the main event was a, a clear indication of how you can equate DAZN to having decently matched fights. And this fight, the fan favorite, Albert Machado, uh, which was the uh, super featherweight champ for the WBA, he was facing Andrew Cancio, and uh, Cancio was a was a fighter who had announced his retirement and decided to give it one more shot. Uh, great story. His two kids who were in the ring with him talked him into it. Uh, he was a fan favorite of his whole community. They all followed him uh, to the fight uh, at the uh, in Fantasy Springs, and it was it was a fairy tale fight, Sal. I mean, what happened was. Uh, Cancio got dropped in in the first round, um, or uh, let me see, uh, it was uh, second round. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it was the first round. The second round, Cancio came back and seemingly won the round. And then the next thing you know, he just destroyed uh, Machado, getting the uh, fourth round knockout at two minutes and sixteen seconds to win the title. Um, very emotional. The the whole place seemed to be supportive of him. 
I mean, this is a situation where you get a guy, um, and and you know when you look at Cancio, he he's now uh, his record is twenty wins, four losses, and two draws. The four losses all coming against quality opposition, and he, you know, seemed to get better. He took some time off, and then uh, just figured he would give it his all, and it, it paid off. And Machado, you know, an explosive fighter, no, no doubt. Uh, his nickname, El Explosivo, uh, but this guy has pop, and and you know, a tall fighter uh, works with Freddie Roach. I mean, everything was going for him, except what I said earlier, Sal. You know, when you start to look at his opposition, they're questionable. He gets in with a guy that was, uh, you know, no no killer by definition, but a guy that, that worked really hard, came in shape mentally and physically, was prepared for this fight, and put a good old-fashioned behind-the-woodshed whooping on Machado. This is what I'm talking about with, with fighters fighting quality opposition, Sal. Well, it's, it's, it's absolutely true, and Candio, I mean, you know, you made a, a comment. He regrouped. He Maybe he needed some time off. Maybe he needed that maturity. Maybe he needed to come into his own. Maybe he needed to, you know, uh, there's a lot of the emotional maturity that goes along with a fighter's physical maturity, too. And, you know, when you look at the old, uh, you know, it's so funny. You know, back then, if you were 30 years old, 32 years old, you were an old man in a fight game. You were done. You know, some fighters start later now. Some fighters, uh, I mean, they're their professional career. And, you know, some fighters, instead of peaking between 24 and 26, maybe they're peaking between 28, 34, something like that. Who knows? But it, it's a whole different thing. And I think with that maturity and peaking, not only is it the physical strength, but it's the emotional and mental strength. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's one of the major things that uh, – that we saw that took place last night was the mental maturity and his, his arrival, if you will. Well, Cancio broke him down, uh, worked a body, uh, just beat him up, just beat him up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he took the body shots, went down, tried to get up, took another one, went down, tried to get up, and then it was over. Uh, third uh, third time was a charm for uh, Cancio. So uh, congrats to him. I thought that uh, I, I couldn't help but, root for him yeah despite Machado being uh the guy that uh you know you're supposed to be keeping an eye on now also on that card um Ray Vargas uh fought Franklin uh Manzalila or uh Manzilla and I, they were saying I and I could pronounce I don't know why I can't this morning last night I was pronouncing it fine uh, uh Manzanilla but anyway um, now, this was an example of a fight where you have two different styles. Ray Vargas, who hit the canvas uh, in the second round, um, is a type of fighter who likes to use his height and reach advantage and, and box you and, and wear you down and then uh, take you out. Uh, Manzanila was a guy that uh, fights... Uh, Vargas said he's a dirty fighter. Uh, you know, he used all the parts of his body, he likes his shoulder, the elbows, the head, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. He's in there working the body. But this was, again, a fight, Sal. I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but I, I, this was a fight where you had a guy uh, in Manzalita who was so so much smaller and ha was trying to do whatever he had to do to, to make it a rough-and-tumble fight. And he got several points taken away, which I, I thought were overkill. 
Um, I think this fight would have been uh, much uh, closer uh, should they not have uh, taken those points. I, I, I think they were a little unjust with the points. Yes, he was a rough-and-tumble uh, type uh, style fighter, but I, I didn't think that they should have taken uh, as many points away from him uh, as they did. Uh, but nonetheless, Ray Vargas improved to 33-0, and 0, uh, and uh, Manzalino drops to 18-5. Uh, and 5. Um, It was a, uh interesting fight, but uh, I, I really thought the referee, uh, the impact of him was too much in this one, Sal. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. You know, we, we, we try to see the balance and uh, how much is enough, and, uh, you know, Sometimes it's 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 a shame. But it's it's more about what's it's all for me, you know. But uh, it's, it's it is what it is. It's uh, a fight. Now, also on that card, there were a couple other fights, and and, and like I said, I really enjoyed watching. Uh, you know, I've seen the fights on DAZN before. Obviously, I subscribe. Uh, not that you know I'm forcing anyone else to, but yes, I am a subscriber. And I was never really that impressed. But last night, the, the, the whole card seemed very solid to me. Not only fights, but the commentating and, and the, the video itself and the replays and the timing of it. And they didn't overbear you with all the other BS that, that Showtime does. But uh, Jojo Diaz, uh, coming off his first loss, um, well, he might have had a fight in between. But nonetheless, uh, he fought uh, Charles Hutada who uh, they're really close friends, and it certainly didn't look it in the fight. I mean, Jojo Diaz, um, I, I like this kid. The one problem I do see with him is that he doesn't really uh, have a great defense, and he waits sometimes too long uh, before he throws punches. He'll, he'll wait and wait and wait, and then all of a sudden he'll unleash some punches. And I think that's what, uh, when he got his world title shot, I think that's what hurt him. He just wasn't busy enough. And uh, despite being very close with Hurtada, he, he was busy, but at times you saw uh, his weakness. But he dominated the fight, uh, went to distance, uh, 99-91. Uh, another side note is that uh, the fathers of both these fighters, uh, Diaz and Hurtada, were both their main trainers in the corner, Sal. And you know how we're wow. always talking that a lot of times father-son combos don't really work. No, we talked about that, and there's been a, a whole, whole reference of, of of names of that kind of relationship that that uh, never really ends well for the fighter's career. Uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But the majority is it was never, you know, the intent, but it just doesn't work out for a lot of reasons. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, you're right. That that seemed to be something of an issue. Um. You know, it's just what my point is, is that it just it, like you alluded to in, in the beginning, it just seems like it's hard for a father son team to work in the sport of boxing because sometimes the father is overprotective or sometimes he's not protective enough, you know, uh, um, but both of these uh, father son teams seem to be uh, uh, working out well. Now, what they're talking about now is uh, Cancio, who won the title. Uh, from uh, from from um, uh, what's his name? Who I just said who lost his title to Machado? Um, now it looks like Jojo Diaz, who beat Cancio, might get a shot at him if he continues. I mean, I, who knows? Cancio might decide to retire as a champion. He was retired before, 
and yeah. uh, and they talked about Machado possibly moving up in weight. Said he had a hard time, felt weak uh, in there, and and he might move up, which will open the door for Diaz against Cancio for a rematch. And and I like it if the version of Cancio shows up uh, that showed up against Machado against JoJo Diaz. It ought to be uh, a uh, interesting fight. Another fight that was on that card, which again I, I didn't think it went the right way. Um, Adrian Estrella improved to 29 and 3 with uh, 24 knockouts when he won a 10 round split decision over uh, Oscar Duarte, who loses the first fight of his career. He drops to 15 1 and 1. Uh, the way the judges scored it 97 93 for Duarte, and the other two judges had it 96 94. Um, and. and uh, um, well, one judge had it 96-94, and the other one had it 98-92 uh, in favor of Estrella. Now, I, I could accept 96-94, but I, I thought I, I thought Duarte won the fight. Estrella seemed to throw more punches that didn't have any effect, and, and a lot of them weren't landing flush. And... Uh, Duarte, when he landed punches, they all seemed full. I thought Duarte won the fight. What's your thoughts when a fighter um, wins a fight, which seemingly, now I'm saying this from, you know, watching the fight from my living room, that seemingly the judges did not uh, give credit to the defense of the fighter, and they gave more credit to the fighter that was just letting his hands go, not necessarily... Uh, landing flush. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, and that's why we are so subject to human error or, or, or opinion when it comes to judging a fight. You know, it goes back to the old adage ever since my first fight uh, as an amateur. Well, does a busier fighter uh, win because of aggression or, or because he's throwing and letting his hands fly? Or is it the fighter that, that picks his shots, lands more accurate shots, has a little bit of defense? You know, how... how it's subject to a lot of opinion, unfortunately. And, you know, a defensive fighter that can pick a shot, that can avoid punches, it's graceful. It's great. Or a guy that's busier in his hands, you know, it's 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 all subject to human error and opinion, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I think there, there's a happy medium somewhere, and... and uh, you know, I, I, I like to see uh, the art of boxing. I like to see defense. I like to see counter shots. I like to see clean punches land. Uh, and then, you know, we, we all often say, well, does one good shot uh, nullify uh, 10 or 15 jabs that landed and, and, and uh, other soft punches? And then you have the, the old thing, well, why can't a, a boxer who could pick those shots uh, uh, outscore a puncher who's going to land some good solid shots. It's it's really, it really it comes back to the old school of you know judging a fight subject to opinion, subject to whatever it may be on some level. It's subjective. I mean, uh, you know, some some judge might say, well, I, I'm judging, I'm scoring and judging this fight uh, specifically on the amount of punches landed. And yep. they're not putting the value in a power punch, which, you know, I, I could see that. I just wish that there was a formula that said, okay, you know, a guy that's throwing mosquito-like punches, 
you know, how many of those equal one flush punch that sends you backwards? You exactly. know what I mean? Yep. I, you know, the question since the beginning. I, I know. know. I know. It's uh, it's tough. Another fight on this card that I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I, I don't quite understand this fighter. And, and he's, he's now he's with the, one of the trainers, I think, is one of the most overrated trainers uh, in, in the sport, in, in uh, uh, Andre Rozier. Um, Torino Johnson. Now, if people remember, he had some great fights. Curtis Stevens, I mean, I, this, guy, this guy has been in some, some great fights. Um, and, he, and wars. I mean, he could take a punch. He, he delivers a punch. His defense isn't that great. But it seemed like he was lacking maybe, maybe you know, a little fine-tuning. Maybe, maybe he was a little wild. Well, he stepped in the ring last night with Fernando Castaneda. And going into the fight, Castaneda was 26 wins and 13 losses. Torino Johnson was 20 wins and 2 losses. And his last scheduled fight was supposed to take place uh, on uh, on an undercard as a co-main event against David Lemieux. And Lemieux backed out of the fight, and they ended up not having the fight. He came in overweight. It was what really happened, and they canceled the fight. So Johnson was a little bummed out because a win over David Lemieux would have uh, really catapulted his career. So they get him a fight a month or so later against Castaneda, and he just seemed... Like he wasn't there mentally or physically. Well, the fight turned into a brawl, and Castaneda did pretty well in this fight. Um, well enough to maybe squeak out the win. I mean, uh, Johnson uh, landed shots, took a lot of shots. Castaneda landed a lot of body shots, Sal. Something else that I'm, I'm not so sure that a lot of judges score. And at the end of the fight, one judge scored at 77-75 for Johnson. One judge scored at 77-75 for Fernando Castaneda. And what do you suppose the third judge scored it for, Sal Rocky Senecola? 76-76. You got it, my man. Scored at 76-76 to make the fight a draw. And the way the draw... Uh, worked out so so now so now uh, Johnson uh, twenty wins two losses a draw Castaneda twenty six wins thirteen losses and a draw, um, you know I don't know how I feel about that I I guess it was a close enough fight where I don't disagree and the scores weren't outrageous either seventy seven no, seventy five are are, are close yeah so I I mean so you got uh you got a scorecard that uh, you can't argue with whether you thought Johnson squeaked it out at 77-75 or Castaneda squeaked it out at 77-75. At the end of the night, I thought it was a very entertaining fight. I said to myself, you know, Billy C, because I, when I talk to myself, I do refer to myself. I say, Billy C, you know, but the truth of the matter is, as much as I like Torino Johnson, he's got to do something. I, I think that... Um, he's got to tighten up his defense, and uh, he's got a—he's got such a granite chin. He was rocked a couple of times. I was surprised he didn't go down. Um, I, I want to see him improve, Sal. I—I I just haven't seen this guy yet. since the, the Curtis Stevens fight, which was an all-out war, which he dominated this whole fight. I mean, he was battering Stevens the whole time, and 
at the end, uh, they, they waved it off. He was against the ropes. As he was pulling the bobblehead uh, reenactment of his neck against the ropes, and they waved off the fight, uh, which I thought he deserved. Um, you know, hey, he's the ropes are holding him up. Give him an eight count. I thought he deserved that after, uh, you know, dominating for, for the whole 11 rounds. Um, but this fight, he looks like a shell of himself. Maybe he took a beating in that fight. I, I don't know. But I'd like to see him improve. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Johnson? Uh, looks like we... Uh, are you still there, Sal? Looks like, I'm, looks like I might have lost uh, uh, Sal. So we'll uh, we'll try and get him uh, back here in a sec, uh, but uh, you know I, I just um, you know I just think that uh, uh, this kid is better than he's displaying. That's all. Um, I'd like to see him uh, uh, do a lot better. I think we got you back. Are you back, Sal? I'm back, buddy. I'm yeah. back. Yeah, I'm not what sure what happened. Yeah, yeah. So what 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 were you? Uh, what's your thoughts on? Uh, on Torino Johnson, I mean, he needs he needs some improvement, don't you think? Uh, it looks like I lost Sal again. Sal's having uh, uh, some poor uh, connection, so we'll wait for him to. Uh, we'll try and get him back on. Uh, but uh, in any event, I, I've always liked uh, Torino Johnson, and I hope that uh, uh, he can come back a little better. Hey, listen, um, I got a trivia question, and I want to give away a. Uh, a copy of uh, uh, the title bout championship computer game. Um, and uh, I, I really, I, this is one that's a, a winnable, uh, a winnable um, prize, a uh, winnable question. Um, we've been doing our show now 15 years. Um, but uh, um, my question is, where did we broadcast our very first show. Where did we broadcast? Where did we broadcast from in our very first show? Now I've talked about this many times, and um, anybody that's been listening or watching this show for any length of time will will know that answer. I think. So if you're the first one, I'll tell you what. Um, even if you're the first or second, I might give away two copies. So um, if you know the answer. Drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Where did we broadcast our very first show? Now, you got to go back a long time, but uh, uh, I'm curious to know how many of you guys uh, know that answer. But uh, some other news I wanted to uh, talk about, and, and Mitch was uh, uh, kidding me a little bit, but speaking of kidding me, uh, back again with us is... Uh, uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. What happened, buddy? What, what do you? What do you? Hey man, I, I was talking, and all of a sudden I couldn't hear you, and all of a sudden you couldn't hear me, and then it, we got dropped. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. Uh, so what? Yeah. what you never yeah. did give us your thoughts on Torino Johnson. Well, I, I think that uh, you know he, he's he's got uh, some some good skill. And uh, we're going to see him uh, again and, and things, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it, it's uh, it's you know it's fighting. You know, you know. I, I wanted to say earlier, Bill. I I got an email from our, our our dear friend Henry Haskup, and uh, the passing of Rocky Lockridge uh, was uh, this week or so. 
Yeah, and, no, uh, it, was, it was a couple of days ago when I saw yeah. that. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, it brought back so many instant memories. Because Rocky, Rocky Lockridge, he was the first pro I ever really sparred. And I remember when he was with Lou Duba, main, main event in the early days. We went up to a gym, one of Lou Duba's gyms. I don't know it was on Elefante Avenue or whatever the heck in Patterson. It wasn't the Squirrelwood Road, West Patterson gym. It was a little earlier than that. I think I just won the Golden Gloves. I was 17 or 18, not even 18. And I was sparring Rocky. Uh, he wasn't the title holder yet. Uh, and uh, But he was a hell of a fighter. And, uh, and you know, through the years, when he was a champion, we were always together sparring, you know, when we had the gym on Scrollwood Road, when Lou Duva and Main Events had the, the, the training camps up in the old Americana Resort, uh, which was Vernon Valley Great Gorge. Um, and Rocky w- was, was such a health nut at that time, and he would, he would mentor me, and, and we had a good friendship. And I remember, you know, he said one time, he, we were talking earlier, uh, you and I about about the the things with the training and the passing on and everything else, and he would say something so profound one day. He said, "Sal, trouble with boxing or fighting is, by the time we learn everything we need to learn, it's time to retire." You know, and, and I thought it was so profound that he said that. But he was already a champion and everything else. And uh, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, there were so many incidents, so many things with his running regimen, his training regimen. Uh, he, he would be such a health nut at that time. He uh, turned me on. He would go to the health food store. They had this biostrat, this, this this little liquid you drag in a glass tube uh, to help oxygenate your blood. So, I mean, this guy this guy was really ahead of his time in that early age of the uh, late 70s, early 80s, developing and just looking at, you know, training, developing, and fighting. But anyway, I just want to say that, the passing of Rocky Lockridge, he was a great warrior. And um, my condolences to his family. I'm with you, and uh, I'm glad you uh, brought that up. It was sad to see um, the tough times that he fell on, and then of oh, course, oh uh, devastating! It's it, it, it's sad. How do you get a world class fighter that had a, a, a great career, a great run, uh, fought for a lot of money, and basically destitute, homeless, and and on the streets, and, and to some degree. And the last couple of his years in and out of hospitals, and it's just a real shame. And, and surely he, he wasn't more than 60, 63 years old. You know, some other news. Um, my man uh, Mitch uh, pointed it out to me uh, earlier in the week, but we had talked about uh, Michael second to none, yeah. uh, whose uh, multiple reports are saying that he got out of jail. Now he's 55 years old, and um, I, I don't know. If the rumors were true, I think Mitch was pulling my leg, but uh, rumors that he might try a comeback. Um, but uh, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I hope not. Um, the, the thing is, uh, the thing with Michael Nunn that always bothered me was that Michael Nunn was one of the most talented fighters of his era. Um, yes. He really was. He was very fun to watch and everything else. And uh, he got uh, busted... Uh, uh, for, for drugs, for, for cocaine. And he was sentenced to 24 years in jail. Now, now, I, listen, before I give my opinion here, 
I'm I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that it's okay to, to go out there and no. uh, deal uh, with, with drugs, especially on the level that he was, uh, um, you know, found guilty of. But I, I think when you look at that kind of a sentence, unless there was a a death involved, I think it's extreme. And the only reason why I say that is because when you look at some of these, like recently locally, somewhat locally, uh, where we broadcast the show from, there was a, a, a murder, okay? And uh, it was a, a vicious, brutal murder, um, uh, decapitation, if you will. It, it wasn't a murder one charge. It was a murder no. two. It was two guys actually fighting over a girl. And... Oh, you know they find. I know that never happens, right? And uh, the the thing is, is that the the guy who uh, was found guilty got charged with twenty years. He got sentenced to to twenty years. Um, and, and but but he elected to not be eligible for parole, so he's going to do twenty, and then he's a free man. Um, how can a guy be sentenced to twenty years for killing someone? And a guy that's involved with, with you know, uh, the distribution of, of uh, cocaine, which, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's, it's good or bad or, uh, or anything. It's definitely not good, but served the same sentence. I, I, to me, that just seems out of whack, Sal. Well, again, you know, you're talking about an area that's very sensitive and very, uh, you know, but on a boilerplate, you know, you look at what was his distribution. Was it the kids? Was it to this and that? How many lives is he going to ruin passing out cocaine or distributing cocaine? How many lives are going to equal or, 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 or uh, come to a, a person deceased or, or something else? Or, you know, it, it's so many levels. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm certainly not. Um, you know, that's, that's why, you know, you, you, watch your P's and Q's, you have a life, you live accountable, uh, and you just do what you can do not to wind up in either of those positions. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, I, I know what you're saying. I, listen, I'm not, by any stretch of imagination, I'm not saying that no, you should have got a slap on the wrist. I, I, I'm no, not. No, 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 because there's a lot of cases where you do. But like I said, how do you, Hey, guess what? It also has a lot to do with uh, who's your legal team. Who do you? Who can you afford? Who who helped you there? What? Uh, and you know, you never know. You never know what what judge has uh, the case that's touched him in the heart or home or anything else. Or maybe make an example of. Maybe he was made an example of for a certain reason. You know, uh, I I I never really followed that whole incident. So. I'm totally just talking off the cuff right now. It was 20 years ago, and he got yeah. sentenced to 24 years, and he's finally, uh, from what I understand, out. So uh, hopefully he could just uh, uh, do what he's got to do. But uh, uh, in any event, it just has always uh, – and coaches in uh, the chat room saying, good thing Pacquiao's not the president. Well, I know, that, that Filipino president over there, what a nutcase. You get caught with a joint on you, and you're facing a firing squad. <laughs> yeah, so – Hey, guess what? Maybe that maybe that's that's the extreme that'll really deter some of the some of the bad. But uh, you know, that's that is a little extreme. I mean that's a little extreme, especially a when you could extreme. fly when you could go to California and and uh and sit in a shop and, and smoke your brains out, you know, and, and many other many other states as well now. 
but uh, uh, yeah, Michael's second to none. Uh, I'm glad he's uh, going to be out. Hopefully, he can put that um, behind him and and uh, and do all the right things now for the remainder of his life. 55 years old, from what I understand. So uh, uh, we'll yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, in any event, um, what you raising your hand? Well, I'm just going to say, you know, Bill, I think I think I broke the barrier uh, with my comeback at age 53. That opened up the floodgates, and now you have a lot of fighters in their 50s thinking they can make a comeback, And uh, which reminds me, I, you know, my shoulder I think is better, even though it's not allowed to be. But anyway, I just want to say that. I think, you know, I think you're going to find more and more fighters wanting to make the comeback. I mean, you saw it with uh, with some 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 good fighters, world class former champions, wanting to express that they can fight into their fifties. And uh, you know, it's not the first one, and we're not going to see it as the last one. So maybe Michael Nunn will want to make a comeback. Who knows? Well, I don't know, man. I I just think uh, I don't I, don't get me started on that. But uh, I know. anyway. I know. Anyway, we got a couple of emails I wanted to get to, and we'll be taking a break here in a little bit. But uh, uh, this one's from, uh, actually, I think uh, I got two from uh, Jesse. He says, hey, guys, um, talking about the fights last week. He says, I saw the uh, fights of Comey last week. A good win, but he gets wild at times. Uh, Nothing less, uh, nonetheless, congrats. Uh, now he looks like he's going to face Lomachenko next. Should be interesting, but uh, Lomachenko will pick him apart. We were talking about that last week, Sal. Richard Comney wins a great uh, fight, and they're like, oh, you finally got your title. Oh, you win the fight, you win the fight. Uh, now you get to fight Lomachenko. And it's like, oof, jeez. Uh, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Lomachenko obviously uh going to be criticized but Richard Comney looked good uh, again Andre Rozier was his uh, trainer last week but uh, uh, anyway he says uh, as for Kovalev good win uh, he wants to see Kovalev against Marcus Brown or Yarde or Barrera or Bivol uh, Smith winner uh, next uh, fight versus one of those opponents ah, I'm with you I don't know I don't know what to think of Kovalev you know I mean uh, you know, he fights Barrera um, do we get a, another fight? Uh, 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 you know, a try uh, the the uh, uh, what did I call that with the third? Fight? No, well, not really a trilogy. The one wins one, one one wins another. I'm, I'm Matt. right. Matt. Thank you. I, I I lost my train of thought. It's getting bad. I think it, old, I, I might be getting old. Right. Uh, the rubber match. You know, which uh, you know. What do you think about that? Do you think that Kovalev would be? Smart to take a rubber match against Barrera. You think there's some value in that for him financially? You think he should go for the Bivol, um, you know, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, winner um, or Marcus Brown? I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, it, it, if he can get a, a rubber match, if they're going to be showing him the dollars and everything else, why not? You know, each fighter had their moment to beat the other. So, you know, let's let's see, let's see who can do, who can do uh, the better job and, and and be the victor of a, of a trifight a trifighter, not trifecta, trifighter. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I like that. I vented that. Let's yeah, and I I know you sh- you shouldn't have really. <laughs> Sometimes you should just let it, just keep going and like don't draw attention to it because that, that was would, one of the times. Thank you very that much. That was one of the times you should have let it go. 
But uh, uh, I, I don't know, man. A, a, a rubber match might be a smart bet for him because if he if he wins, game. yeah, if he wins again, uh, maybe that creates uh, you know. And then Bivol fights Smith, which is uh, next week or the week after. Next week after, I think. Um, you know, or no, no, actually, that fight's March 9th. Uh, that uh, the winner of that fight against the winner of the rubber match between uh, uh, Barrera and Kovalev, eh, that might that might be interesting, Sal. I think it would be a good fight, and uh, you know, like like I said, I think uh, rubber matches. Look look at the the great rubber matches we've had in the past that uh, really resonate and 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 uh, you know are memorable and they're good fights. And I, I I'll be the first to say, you know, I I pretty much had Kovalev off the radar. I thought he was done, uh, you know, after that first uh, fight with, uh, with Barrera. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'd like to see maybe, maybe uh, one more time they get in the ring and see what happens. I mean, they each, uh, they each have something to prove and to be dominant and to be uh, the one to come out with the two to three, two out of three. So we'll see. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think uh, for Kovalev and the fact that he's working – with a new trainer and the fact that he came out with a different style uh, for this fight against Sullivan Barrera that he won. Um, I, I think it would be smart for him to fight Barrera again and see if he can do it again or see if he can do it the same way and then this time get a knockout or vice versa, Barrera showing that you know he made a couple of mistakes and uh, basically let uh, Kovalev beat him via a decision. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think I would be interested in that fight. Yeah, yeah, and and, and like we said, they each are familiar with each other, so they're going to take what they need to do to go back to school and and in their minds, their hearts, and say, hey, well, he got the best of me. He was busier. How do I nullify that? Or uh, uh, Kovalev, I still think has to watch out for. Uh, Barrera's power because I thought Kovalev got hit with one or two, but it wasn't that bad, and he was able to weather it. And, uh, you know, still still do enough to keep his hands busy, and that's why Kovalev won. He, uh, you know, he let us. He was a busier fighter. Uh, he uh, outboxed. He had some defense. He he took the fight to him. I mean, Kovalev fought a, a optimal fight for himself, and uh, that's why he got the victory. Listen, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, I'll finish the emails from uh, Jesse, and we'll talk about some other interesting news and uh, a little more on Tank Davis's victory over Hugo Ruiz last night. Not so much uh, last night, not so much uh, the fight itself since it didn't last three minutes, but uh, maybe uh, some thought on where uh, Davis will go from here. Uh, hopefully it won't be another <clears throat> three-minute fight. But, uh, hey, listen, don't go anywhere. It's uh, because uh, we'll be right back in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. All 
And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Hey, first and foremost, I just want to uh, apologize. I, I was confusing Sullivan Barrera with uh, Eldir Alvarez, who uh, had beaten Kovalev for the title, and then Kovalev just recently won the fight, the title back. So the rubber match would have been against Alvarez. Sal, I'm surprised you didn't catch me with my error. I know you knew you were just trying to just trying to play along, weren't you? I was just trying. To yeah, play I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Sal. I'm, I'm, I was. I'm, I I appreciate it. Not, you know, you trying to protect me and all. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's this mug? You cheating on me? Where's the other mug? No, no, no. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's sorry. It's, uh, you know, I, I. Uh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. You I, sound I, like I, Richie, Ricky Ricardo. But uh, <laughs> but uh, all right. So there, uh, some more of the email here with uh, with Jesse. He says Tia Fimo. He's talking about Timo Timo Fimo Lopez is good, but I think he's the next Broner. He's getting too big headed. Uh, who had the better talent at the same age, Billy? I think uh, Tio throws more punches and he's more accurate and is more versatile. Uh, Tio versus Pedraza, uh, Robert Easter uh, Jr. Uh, Tago, Burns, Gamboa, Dord, Jordan, uh, Bay, Lundy, Gesta, Mendy. Uh, any of those next, he says, or are those too experienced for him? I don't think Top Rank gives him those fighters just yet. They will feed him a Menard and a Dago-type fighters who are almost done with their careers. Um, Teofimo Lopez uh, is a talented fighter. And, um, you know, that's the problem with a lot of these young fighters getting too big-headed, believing the press clippings, if you will, um, listening to all the guys in their ears that are basically whispering in their ears and then taking the cash out of their back pockets when they're, you know, listening to all the stroking that's going on. Um, you know, I, this is why I think it's all uh, related, Sal. Like, if you move a fighter correctly and you increase his level of opposition, and you force the fighter to stay focused on training and getting better and learning from mistakes, all those other things don't happen because it's just not enough time, not enough focus, not enough effort on a, on a fighter to get mixed up and lost in a lot of, uh, for no, intent, no other intent purposes, hype that surrounds them and their success. I, I think... When you look, even if you take a guy like Mike Tyson, in the beginning of his career when he was busy and fighting and all these guys, you know, he, he, he had his nose clean. Then all of a sudden, once he got to a certain level and, uh, you know, you're the baddest on the planet, all of that stuff, and the, the activity level slowed down, well, that's when all the shenanigans started with him. You know, so I, I think the, the safest bet, is to stay busy and make sure you're, you know, increasing your level of opposition so you can get better and stay focused. What's your thoughts? That's exactly it, Bill. You know, it, it, it doesn't take much. Uh, like I said, I'll never forget the conversation, and I've said it many times. Chicky Ferrara had with me. We just finished training at Gleason's gym. We went around to the Blarney Stone. We sat. We had a lunch, and we talked. And he said, Sal, this is what it's going to take. You got a few short years. You're going to be devoting. you got to eat, sleep, drink, boxing, put the blinders on. Don't let anything else interfere with you. It's just a few short years of your life, but those years are going to carry you for the rest of your life. And if you do the right stuff, do the right thing. And, and a lot of times that's forgotten. A lot of times that's 
that's it's too much to ask in today's world. I don't know. Just to put the blinders on, say, hey, for next next six to eight years, whatever I can do, I'm going to block out. I'm going to do what I got to do to eat, sleep, drink, boxing, learn my craft, do this, do my homework, train mentally, physically, prepare myself, go to war, do what I got to do, rest, heal. You know, it, 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 it's just it's easier said than done is what I'm saying. Well, when you don't have, you know, when we look at guys like Adrian Broner, who I thought was extremely talented and then let, you know, um, you know, outside the ring influences start to dictate his career. And we all saw what happened to him. Tank Davis is his best buddy. We've seen some crazy stuff uh, from those two when they're out on the town. So we hope Tank doesn't do it. Uh, Teofimo is a quality fighter. Everybody starts patting him on the back. It's easy to get caught up in that. You know, and uh, you're right. I mean, uh, the best thing that they could do is stay in the gym and, and just, uh, you know, in today's world, it's so much harder to to block out everything. I mean, think about what it was like in the 20s, 30s, and 40s when, you know, the newspaper was the only way you could hear about a fight. And, and sometimes you would uh, hear about it days later. Uh, then in the, uh, you know, 50s and 60s, you know, we got to see it on TV uh, you know, 70s, it got a little more um, closer to us. Uh, um, and then by the time the 80s came around, uh, you know, uh, information was flying a little more freely. But nothing like today. I mean, today, yeah. it's instant. There's no need for newspaper beat writers on boxing anymore because, uh, you know, instantaneously, uh, stuff is being spread out worldwide, by the way. And I couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't help but notice uh, several of the events I was watching last night. All of the people filming it with their phones. You know, you used to uh, in the eighties and nineties, used to go to an arena, and the first thing, uh, there's no uh, filming of any kind of this event. Yeah. Blah blah blah. You, you know, you were frisked. You didn't, you couldn't go in with a camera. Now, what are they going to do? They can't take your phone away from you. No. You know, um, uh, you know. It, so everybody's got footage. So it's. Uh, it's a crazy, it's a crazy mixed up world we live and in. And they can but, upload it, put it to YouTube, put it to my tube, whatever you want. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, anyway, he says, Valdez did show me some more patience and he was picking his shots better, but still not much head movement. Needs to use his jab more. Uh, um, he says, Valdez against Salby, Galahad, um, Warrington. Do you think they'll give him uh, another previous opponent? You know, I'm not sure. Val Valdez, I like... I, I like Oscar Valdez. Um, you know, uh, the uh, uh, the jaw, the breaking of his jaw, um, and then coming back and... Uh, excuse me. Oh, jeez, Sal. Uh, you know, the breaking of his jaw and then, uh, you know, he him coming back um, after that. I, I think he, he you know, we'll, we'll have to give him another fight. Let's see. Hopefully he does move his head a little more and, uh, and we could go from there. He says... Uh, um, how he says. Lastly, how is the uh, Leonard Tyner fight made when Isaac Jones only has seven fights? Um, you know, Tyner was a big uh, uh, prospect at one time. I'm not so sure he is anymore. And uh, Jones, uh, we'll see. We'll see that. We'll we'll learn about that soon. Uh, the result in that, I should say. He says uh, my picks for this week. Let's see how he did. He says Tank. Knocks out Ruiz in five. Well, you got the knockout right, but it only took one. 
He says, uh, Erickson Lubin, unanimous decision over uh, Smith in a boring fight. Fortuna, uh, check this out. Fortuna split decision over Bogary. Uh, it was a unanimous decision, but it should have been. Uh, he says, uh, um, uh, Mario Barrios, unanimous decision over uh, Zamora. Barrios knocked him out. Machado knocking out um, TKO, eighth round knockout, which did not happen. Uh, Machado lost to uh, Cancio. Jojo, unanimous decision over Herta in a close fight. It was a unanimous decision, was not close. And he said, uh, Oscar Duarte, uh, Duarte over uh, Estrella. You missed that one too, but I, I thought he won the fight. So for, for all intent and purposes, I think Jesse uh, did pretty well with his pick, Sal. I think he did. I want to ask him the lottery numbers for his week. <laughs> They're saying... They're saying in a, in one of the chat rooms that Sal needs a cough button. Yeah, I should have. He should have given me. He, he should have a cough button. He should. He you should. You know, it, it, it's crazy. You know, Bill. I, I you know, I, I'm in this production, this this musical play. I got to sing every night and uh, everything else. And uh, we opened last night, and I've been fighting. Uh, everybody's sick on the island. Everybody, not everybody, but you know, my 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 staff. Everybody in the play, the, it, it's crazy. And so guess what? I guess I'm not infallible. The other day I started coming down with that little bit of cough, a little sore throat, a little bit of this, I'm fatigued. And that's why I'm a little off today. But, uh, you know, and I got to get this throat ready because we got to perform today at 3 o'clock. Viva la, viva la. I could just see you in there. But uh, anyway, hey, I got some news. I got some news. How about this? How about Canelo Alvarez? Now, now, you know, you, you know that I can't stand uh, Morio Ronaldo. You you know that. Well, I've mentioned that to you, right? I give him a pass. Yeah. Well, I'm not giving him any passes. I don't care about his mental state. But he said something last night that I had to laugh, and I and I don't I don't remember word for word. But basically, he was criticizing the WBA, the way they hand out titles. He says, you know. Um, which is which is true. The WBA has no scruples. Well, check this out. They announced the other day that they are going to let Saul Canelo Alvarez keep both titles, the WBA middleweight title and his newly uh, win one super middleweight title. The last person that they let do that, guess who that was? Uh, I'm going to guess. It's a long one. But I'm going to guess it was Floyd Mayweather. You're right. It was Floyd Come Mayweather. On. You, you were right. You, you, I got this right. I got you, this right. Oh, my God. So so I, I ask you this. Is it as blatant to you as it is as blatant to me that the WBA aligns themselves with a name and all their rules just get thrown out? Now, they do have a rule where they say they can do that. But uh, uh, what, a, what a joke. So, so Canelo is basically going to get his fight with Daniel Jacobs, and basically when he leaves that arena, win, lose, or draw, he's still going to be a world champion. Well, it is what it is. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a different game today. It's a much different game today. Well, I, you know, listen, they had did away with um, simultaneously most, uh, you know, legitimate sanctioning bodies did away with that years and years ago and you're allowed to compete for another belt but you have x amount of time to choose one and yes. for them letting him maintain both 
uh, is blatant favoritism, in my opinion. And uh, again, I, I just think that it's it's so unfair to fighters that are working their butts off in the gym trying to get legitimate shots, and the way you got these so-called champions being coddled and protected and being in the back pockets of the sanctioning bodies and everything else. It's, you know, I wonder why the, the sport isn't as popular as it used to be, Sal. Well, you and I can go through a whole list, and it's going to be more than 10 reasons. Um, well, that, my point is these are several of them right here. I know. But, well, that's the whole thing. And here's, yeah. another, here's another shocking bit of news about your boy Canelo. There's more? Oh, yeah. Wait, there's more. Because uh, Canelo Alvarez and Daniel Jacobs, they announced where it's going to be taking place uh, the weekend of uh, Cinco de Mayo, their fight, and because uh, they made it seem like we it could have been any place for weekend Cinco de Mayo. But they fi- finally announced officially where uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez versus Daniel Jacobs will be. Where do you suppose the fight will take place? Well, I'm not going to be three for three. I was going to say either Vegas, Texas, or or California. Vegas. It was Vegas. Where else would it be? Because that gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Bob Bennett from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, he favors Canelo no matter what, just like he favors Mayweather. You know, I mean, you know, could it have become? and, And, you know, in the 80s and 90s, New York was considered, and, and actually way before that, was considered a corrupt, I know it's shocking, but New York was considered a corrupt uh, uh, boxing commission. And, and that's why a lot of the fights ended up going out to Vegas, and then Vegas became, for all intent and purposes, the, the boxing capital of the world, in my opinion. Um, you know, but in this last 10 years... I mean, the most controversial things have taken place in in the city of Las Vegas, the state of Nevada. And I just, you know, at this point, to me, Sal, it looks like they blatantly do whatever the hell they want, and the sport goes on its merry way. I mean, if anybody really wanted to to fix it, they would avoid Vegas. There's other options. There are, but, you know, that's the whole thing, Bill. There's so many concessions being made. There's so many things happening, and, and you know, and and Vegas is a fight make mecca of the world, one of the top venues, and uh, it's like the Garden was, it's like California is, it's like uh, the Barclays, uh, this one, that one. Uh, you know, there, there's some top venues, and, and Vegas will always remain as a top venue. Well, it's just draw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I love boxing in Vegas. Don't get me wrong. I, oh, but, yeah. but, but the thing is, is that, you know, in in Vegas, they do have the big arena where uh, Canelo Jacobs is going to be uh, at the T-Mobile Arena, and in New York we have you know Madison Square Garden, what have you, um, in Brooklyn the Barclays Center. But you know, at the end of the day, Sal. Does it really matter the size of the venue in here in the States anyway with TV? We're not talking about Anthony Joshua selling 90,000 seats in a soccer stadium because no boxer here in the U.S. does that. Let's be real. Floyd Mayweather may sell, sell a million pay-per-views, but he doesn't even sell out arenas. I mean, you know, he fights in 15,000-seat arenas where there's still seats available. You know, so it's a different type of crowd. 
between, you know, in, in the sport of boxing for Europe and, and the U.S. The U.S., we have a tendency to prefer to watch it, you know, uh, from our living rooms. So uh, fighters can make more money. So with that said, why aren't they, um, you know, finding easier to control uh, venues for the broadcast, et cetera, et cetera? I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just, if I had a fighter, and I do work with several, and I had a big fight, and I was calling the shots. Now, if you're getting your shot, and you you have to go to, to, the, to the champion's backyard, that's one thing. But if you're making a decision to do a defense or, or what have you, I would definitely uh, not consider Las Vegas only because of the corruption within that commission, Sal. Well, again, you know, you don't know what everything is on the table that lures people to there. You know, like I said, there's concessions, there's here, there's there. Uh, some people it just just also just love that whole uh, mindset and that uh, that once you're in Vegas, you've arrived. It's it's, uh, it's like the old Madison Square Garden, you know. Uh, mentality mindset you know you want to fight in the garden you want to fight in vegas you know those are the fight capitals of the world for all intents and purposes yeah well she's a changing but uh in any event uh before we uh talk a little about the fights next week i wanted to just um uh give our final thoughts on uh uh the uh the two big fights this week uh which was uh uh, Javante Tank Davis's uh, victory over Hugo Ruiz, and uh, the Andrew Andrew uh, Cancio uh, upset of sorts over Albert Machado. Uh, we'll start off with uh, uh, Tank Davis. This kid shows all the talent, Sal. And yeah. um, you know, we talked Agreed. about um, you know uh, his lack of activity last year. We talked about his signing. Uh, or we didn't talk about it today, but when he signed with uh, Mayweather Promotions, he gets his first title defense, and he loses his belt on on the scale. Um, so you got to question his dedication. Uh, then uh, in the press for almost a year, we hear uh, the negativity, the 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 uh, uh, not so great relationship between. Uh, Floyd of Mayweather Promotions, Floyd Mayweather Jr., and Javante Davis. Um, Javante Davis went as far in one of those uh, interviews as saying, I'll sit it out till my contract expires. Uh, then we see uh, Floyd, which incidentally, who dressed him? He looked like a, an, an action figure. You know, he had these girly boots on with these girly pants. I mean, um, uh, you know, for a guy who thinks he's so bad, and and you know he's not. He unless you're a woman, he'll beat the hell out of you. But who picked his outfit yesterday? I mean, geez, he looked terrible. Uh, but uh, uh, I guess he. Who cares? He says to himself, "I'll look any way I want." I think Tank Davis needs to get back in the ring quickly. I think he needs to use his de- destruction over Hugo Ruiz as a catapult, Sal. And the only way to do that is to get right back in the ring. And even if he takes a less takes on a less than stellar opponent, if he does it again in a couple of rounds, uh, then he's going to have this persona of, um, you know, being a destroyer. I'm not saying uh, suggesting he's not, but it will build up value on his own. What he can't do, Sal, is wait several months, six months, four months to get in the ring again, especially. After a fight that didn't get out of the first round, 
No, you're absolutely right, Bill. And uh, this would be, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's ready to go next month uh, uh, on some level. Uh, he, he certainly, you know, needs a, a couple of days off because uh, he's peaked. He peaked last night. He was excellent. He destroyed his opponent in less than one round. But he, he's fully prepared to, to fight uh, in a couple of weeks to re-peak and, and, and bring it up and, and fight, you know, any, anybody. He can fight anybody. Um, I think it, it, it's to his benefit that he keeps with the busy program and has the continuity where he's not going to be as idle as he once was. I think he should keep as active as he can right now because these are his years. And uh, I think that uh, he'll, he'll have a lot of great performances in the ring this year if he continues on the right track. Tank Davis has the tools. He does. To, be, to be an all-time great. The worst thing that he could do right now is follow. And, and, and you know, this is such a, a catch-22 statement. I know I'm going to be criticized. Floyd Mayweather was very successful with his blueprint. No one can deny it. He's made a lot of money. Uh, there's a whole generation of people that actually think that he was the best. Um, so he was successful. I mean, I, you know, it is what it is. But a lot of times when something like that happens, it's only for that person to duplicate that, which everyone will try to do because of Floyd's success. All that, most of the time doesn't work out. Most of the time it just doesn't work sure. out. You sure. know, and you look at other sports. You take, uh, um, you know, uh, an all-star quarterback and you, you give him all his, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, weapons and, uh, you know, you sell everybody that's the system that you can put a, another quarterback in place. Well, sometimes you can. They take another guy, and, and he's got all his weapons, and they run the same system, and, and they, you know, equal the same success. But in most cases, it doesn't work out that way. And I think it's the same case in boxing. I think, uh, you know, Javonta Davis uh, at some point needs to recognize that Javonta Davis is Javonta Davis. And whether he stays with Mayweather or not, and I'm not, you know, I've, I've always thought that Mayweather should actually focus on his promotional company because we need an American-based promotional company to rival Golden Boy and, and Top Rank. And Floyd's Mayweather promotions could very well be that team. Um, but you can't have all your, your blue-chip fighters follow the plan that worked for Floyd. And in Javonta Davis's case, this is a kid that I would love. I mean, if he was my fighter, I would love to see uh, how far he could go. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be banging down the door of Vasily Lomachenko for a fight tomorrow, uh, but I would definitely be stepping up my level of opposition. I would want a, a tough fight that's winnable so that it could get the discussion at, at the water cooler, as you suggested when we open up, when we open the show today. You know, the, the discussion that's going to be around the water cooler, if there's any, would be how he demolished this guy. And in a sense, it happened so quick that it could be counterproductive with interest, Sal. Some people might just say, oh, you know, uh, he didn't fight a tough enough guy and lose interest. You know, that's always a possibility, too, don't you think? Always, always a possibility. That's why, you know, there's some fickle people out there. They love you. They hate you. You can't please everybody. Uh, they'll, 
they'll damn you if you do, damn you if you don't. And, and you know, you just got to keep going, plugging along and doing the best you can. And fighters, fighters by nature, they, they want to be accepted. They, they, they feel, you know, that they, they work hard. They love to uh, be uh, a boxing celebrity. They love the pats on the back. They, for the most part, and, and they like the attention and they like to promote themselves. And, you know, it's, it's just a natural progression. And uh, I think he's in a position right now and uh, where he, he's got a, a great, great next couple of years that he can really shine. And, you know, maybe he'll be one of the legendary uh, few that we could talk about uh, 10, 20 years from now uh, that uh, is going to fit in the mold of the yesterday heroes. Well, what, what, what's the most important thing that, that will etch a, a fighter in the stone of boxing history, what's the most important ingredient that that fighter needs to solidify his place in history, Sal? Tough fights. Legendary well, fights. Exactly. And what I was going to say is the, the, the right dance partner. Right you know, dance. You know, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard had several. Yes, you know, Duran and, and Marvin Hagler, etc. You Hearns. know, um, Tommy Hearns, of course. You know, all of those guys had several dance partners. Ali, when you think of Ali, the first name that comes to most people's minds are Joe Frazier. Joe you know, uh, even even uh, uh, one of my favorite fighters, Jack Dempsey. You think of Gene Tunney. You know, uh, uh, you know, so many fighters that you, that Furpo. are. What's that? Furpo. Knocked him out of the ring, Furpo. No, uh, Lu Luis Furpo. Yeah, it was that fight uh, was one of the most uh, and and Furpo. I just read an article written uh, by a, a local uh, sports guy that I never realized uh, as much as I know about Jack Dempsey. I never realized that even after that fight, when uh, Furpo went back to Argentina, he was a hero. He was a hero for knocking Dempsey through the ropes out onto the where the where the newspaper guys lifted him back in. You know, I, I mean, just all these great fights historically, yeah. there was always a dance part. I mean, look at um, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti. You know, I right. mean, these two guys, you know, had each other. I mean, I, that's what Tank Davis needs. Tank Davis needs uh, that opponent. You know, and, and that's something that Floyd never had. Let's be real. He had the opportunity to do it with Manny Pacquiao. They could have been the dance partners, but because Floyd, you know, doesn't want to risk anything, because Floyd just only wants layup fights, he never let that happen. Yes, we got one fight, but it was way too late, and uh, who knows, we may get another that may, uh, you know, make what I'm saying uh, null and void. But you know, great fighters from a historical perspective need great dance partners and you know what tank davis his dance partner could very well be vasily lomachenko could that be. could be the guy you could know it, guy. i'm not saying that tank is ready for him right now but remember something lomachenko's no spring chicken you know he's yeah. fought uh, all those amateur fights so maybe a fight with lomachenko towards the end of this year uh you know build himself to that point could be uh, the dance partner that that you know etches uh, Tank Davis forever in in uh, boxing history. I mean, what do you think? I think you're 100 right, and uh, that could be the right dance partner. And there's probably a few other ones out there, but uh, Lomachenko would definitely be one that uh, 
you know, win, lose, or draw, you're going to have a rematch. And, you know, the legends are built from rubber matches, from uh, fights that, that go ebb and flow here and there. I mean, it's a shame, you know, Floyd could have etched, etched even more. Uh, it's a shame there was never a rematch with, uh, against Oscar De La Hoya. You know, which might have, if Oscar won in the rematch, would have resulted also in a, in a uh, rubber match. Listen, I salvadate that, that, that. You know, I, I drool. I drool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the word. Uh, yeah, you said that even with a sneezing nose. That's good. Um, hey. I, I, I drool over drool. the potential fight between Vasily Lomachenko and, and Tank Davis. You know, Tank Davis has that hand speed. And that accuracy, um, he doesn't have the defense. So it would be interesting to see how Lomachenko could use his ring generalship, not to be confused with ringmanship, um, you know, in a fight with a guy that's young and fast and and accurate as as Tank, you know. And, And then I would love to see if Tank could make adjustments. You see, what happens with these young fighters, boys and girls, is when they're not challenged and they're not tested, they don't get better. And and I don't want to see that happen to Tank Davis. I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to see another fighter get ruined by Floyd Mayweather. I, and, 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 you know, Tank Davis, I love him, but no disrespect, he doesn't seem like he's the sharpest tool in the shed, Sal. You know, it seems like he could be manipulated pretty easily. And um, I don't know. If if I'm Tank Davis, I want to prove that I'm the best. I, I, I don't just want to beat up on punching bags. What do you think? No, I, I, and I believe that about Tank. I, I do. I think that Javante is uh, the kind of warrior that he wants to prove to himself and he wants to prove to everybody that he's the best and he's not afraid of anybody. I believe that about him. And you know, whether his promotional outfit or other people have the same thought or, or, or so or feel he's ready, you know, we can very well see a fight between he and Lomachenko before the end of the year. You don't know. You don't know. Well, it would be nice if we did. Um, it would. The, the, it other, would. the other fight I wanted to touch on again uh, clearly was uh, the upset. Uh, they call it an upset, but uh, Andrew uh, Cancio uh, knocking out Albert Machado at two minutes and 16 seconds of the fourth round. Uh, this was a guy that had all kinds of back uh, backstory around him. Uh, he was brought in as a tough opponent for Albert Machado. Uh, Freddie Roach, uh, you know, yucking it up, saying that this fight won't last long. It's gonna, the, He's going to be taken out of there uh, probably within five. This is what he was saying about Machado taking out Cancio. And he was right. The fight ended before five, except unfortunately for Freddie Roach, it was his guy that got taken out. Um, you know, Machado's most likely going to move up and wait. But how can you not support Cancio uh, with the story? Retired, uh, took time off to train, has to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, works in a, uh, what did he work in? He worked in some kind of a uh, digging uh, something. I, it's it's not an easy job. Maybe doing road work or something like that. Um, so uh, between that and his kids, uh, comes out with being a world champion. You know who knows what's going to happen with Cancio. You know we've said this many times on this show, Sal. Sometimes when a fighter gets that belt uh, or gets a belt, we should say um, a world strap, we should say anyway. 
um, becomes better. And, and it makes me wonder, you know, does a guy like Cancio, uh, did he just, uh, you know, win a, a good fight? He got his title. Uh, he got some money. Should, should he continue? Should he walk away as a champ? You know, it makes you wonder. He's got two young kids, a, a boy and a girl that were ringside with him. Um, does he want to take any risks? He seemed uh, uh, like he was uh, had all his faculties. He's still a young man. A lot of decisions to make, but it was certainly an exciting fight. And I love when the underdog wins. Well, of course you do. And, and I do too. Because that just compounds the whole fight mindset, mentality. Don't discount anybody. Don't discount an underdog. Don't discount any, any value in a fighter. And let the best man win. And the best man that night is, is usually the guy that uh, has his hand raised, Billy. As the winner? Yes. Yeah, imagine that. I just did. <laughs> you know, I think uh, you know they're 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 talking about it, and it looks like uh, uh, Cancio will get uh, JoJo Diaz as his next fight. They were talking about that last night. I don't know if uh, Diaz JoJo Diaz's victory got him a, a title shot against the winner uh, of uh, Machado uh, Cancio. He had already beaten Cancio, um, and and you say to yourself. You know, what is a guy, I was just saying, you know, what does a guy like Cancio do? Does he walk away uh, as a champ? Uh, you know, that's one of the things that fighters always forget. Uh, you know, you walk away as a champ, you're, you're always a champ. You know, people remember that, that last great Rocky-esque type performance that he did to win the title. I mean, it's, it's you know, it goes down in infamy, you know. Um, or does he come back and, and try to get that big payday? And it would go against a, a Jojo Diaz. You know, can he muster up the same drive and determination that he obviously mustered up to fight Machado for a defense of that belt and then hang it up? I mean, either way, a guy that retired and came back, you have to assume that, you know, he's not going to look at this as a rejuvenation of a career and then, you know, be in boxing now for another five years. I, I would think it would be the opposite for him. But I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, you would have to uh, entertain what kind of dollars you could make by making a defense. But then, you know, you'd also have to say to yourself, well, what what do I got to put into this to maintain where I am? I want to say, if the same version, uh, Andrew Cancio that beat uh, Alberto Machado last night steps in the ring with the same version of Jojo Diaz that beat Huato uh, last night, you know, that's one hell of a fight, Sal. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a risky fight. Uh, I just, I'm not sure what Cancio wants. I know he would like a big payday. And would a fight against Jojo Diaz really get him the kind of payday that would justify risking uh, walking away as a, a one-time champion? Well, it's so, so true. Now, how, how old is Cancio? Um, he's, uh, I, I don't think he's old per se. I mean, he's in his, I think he's 32. 30 something but not like 38 you know uh um but uh but still you know he's coming out of retirement he was he was off for almost right. two years wow well if he's gonna want to do something he, you know uh, like you suggested maybe one big payday or uh several little ones or smaller ones or maybe multiple big ones he's got to keep busy especially at that age he, he's got to be back in the ring before uh, four months, I think, uh, for this year. And, 
you know, if he get the kind of opponent that he can have a great big payday or so, why not? And uh, we'll see. But, uh, you know, that 33 and a third and 10% taxes goes, it helps that money shrink real fast. This is, see, this is the type of manager that I am with fighters. If I know a fighter personally, which I get to know all my fighters personally, and, and the situation with Cancio, if he was my fighter, and when I saw last night the popularity that he has uh, in, that, in that town and the support that he had from all those people, and they clearly weren't all just family. You know, he, if he could fill an arena with family, geez, you know, I, I hate to, I hate to want to take that family out to dinner because you, you'd be broke, you know, that fill up your place, Sal. But um, the, the truth of the matter is, is that what a guy like that could do is what they used to do. You know, when you look back at the history books, especially in the heavyweight division, you see these guys that won the title. And a lot of times you don't see them fight very often after they won their title. Well, the reason was they used to make their money touring as the champion. You know, uh, Jack Dempsey did it. Uh, You know, Jack Johnson did it. All all the great fighters uh, up until really the, the 50s uh, well, actually, I guess Joe Lewis was um, changed, bucked that trend. So all the way up until the 40s, um, that's exactly what they used to do. They used to win their title, and then they didn't defend it, or they would fight, but it would be non-title fights. And especially as a heavyweight champion, they would make their money outside of the ring. Well, after last night, and after seeing the fanfare that Cancio has, and accomplishing this belt, I would sit down with him and I'd say, okay, Unless we get blown away by a financial opportunity against a fighter that, you know, is a winnable fight. What I mean by that is a fighter that's the same size as, as Cancio, a, a fighter with similar uh, attributes, etc. Uh, that's a high demand fight. I would m- recommend and advise this fighter in, in his particular situation with two kids and blah, blah, blah is to, you know, go out and and make as much money as he can as the champion. Retire as the champion. In his town, do you realize how much money he could probably make in endorsements? He could sell cars, not only as a salesman, but endorse, hey, I buy it from uh, Sal's uh, Auto Group. Uh, Make sure you get the car. You know, uh, all the commercials. I mean, he could make a substantial living off of what he accomplished last night, Sal, and still keep all of his faculties, raise his kids, and live a good life. I mean, this is the choices that a real, like a a management team that cares about you and looks at all of the angles for you as a human being and as a fighter is what you need to consider. Not just stick them in the ring real quick uh, against somebody, throw him some extra money, and then you know he's just another uh, champion who made uh, you know won a title. They'll call it a fluke. He'll he'll never get the recognition he has right now, Sal. It's true, and you know people have selective memory, but they also forget. And uh, uh, I'll tell you what, you made a lot of good points. You know that used to be the model. I mean, I. I you know, even Jerry Quarry, uh, when he became a contender, and uh, he fought Ali. I mean, he had a little bit of a notoriety and celebrityism, and he got paid to show up and do this, and do that, act a little bit. A lot of fighters, they like to parlay their success. They like to be uh, called in. They like to get paid money for appearances. They like to mingle. They, 
and that's part of the rewards that you you you're fighting for. It's part of the whole package, you know. When a fighter has a picture of what he wants to evolve, what he wants to gain, and what he wants to do, I'm sure that that's built into the whole image of having a world title championship belt. Maybe one day going to color commentary. Maybe one day uh, showing up or being involved in boxing, not just in a ring, but on the outside, or being celebrated as a, as a great world champion for as long as you can. So yes, I think that's a smart approach. And uh, you know, if his camp does have his best interest in mind. I'm sure that, uh, you know, they're talking, they're looking into those options today because it's a great Sunday to do all those things. Well, well, m make no mistake. When they went to Cancio and offered him the, the fight, they, they, they beefed up the money and they made him basically say, well, he should come out of retirement and try his hardest. I know the spin last night was, oh, you know, he figured he'd give it one more shot. No, nah, he got the opportunity. So here's the opportunity. He got it. Now he's got a belt. So he, let's assume he made a decent payday last night, and now he's got the belt. Well, the first thing that people are going to talk him into is is defending it. you know. And my point is, unless it's, it's the type of money that is so extravagant to make a defense that's worth that risk, I would try to parlay it like I suggest and, uh, and take the celebrity that he, that he had to begin with, yeah. and now it's even bigger. And utilize that, and uh, and 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 walk away as a champ. I I think in his case that might be the smarter role. That's all, you know. It could be. I mean, they make movies over this, you know. So yeah, this is true. This is true. It's true. Um, it's true. Just uh, as we uh, get ready, as we're getting closer to the end of the show here, there's a couple of fights on uh, next week that I'd like to take a quick look at, and one of them is. Um, one of my favorite fighters, Leo Santa Cruz, is fighting on regular television prime time, 8 p.m. on uh, Fox Sports. Um, he's taking on Rafael Rivera. Now, Rivera is a substitute uh, that we just found out about a couple weeks ago uh, for Miguel Flores. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz was originally scheduled to fight Miguel Flores, which m seemed like a good matchup on paper, but Flores hurt his shoulder. Uh, so rather than cancel uh, the uh, the fight, the the card, the television uh, slot, uh, they found uh, Miguel. I mean, I'm sorry, Rafael Rivera. Now, Rivera is is actually a bigger fighter. He's he's ranked in the super featherweight division. This particular fight is for um, Leo Santa Cruz's uh, featherweight title, the WBA featherweight title. But here's the thing, Sal. He's ranked number 77 by the computer in the world in the super featherweight division. Leo Santa Cruz is ranked number one in the featherweight wow. division. You know, so uh, how competitive is, is this fight going to be? You know, now, in, in all due respect, Rivera is a young kid. He's 24 years old. He's got a record of 26 and 2, 17 of those wins coming by knockout. And his two losses, he, he was never stopped. He lost by decision. And he's roughly the same size as uh, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, who's uh, six years older at 30, uh, who's uh, 35 and one with uh, 19 wins uh, coming by knockout. And he too uh, did not get stopped in his loss. I, it just on paper does not seem like it's going to be a competitive fight. What's your thoughts? Well, on paper, as you said, and and that's the whole thing. That's what. We, that's why we go to the fight. That's why we go back to the well and we look at it and we watch. Because, 
you know, anything could happen. And uh, on paper, maybe uh, the odds aren't on, on his side, but, you know, the variables all come into play that night of the fight. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it, uh, it is something that only time's going to tell, and we're going to see what happens if he does. Well, you know, it seems like uh, Leo Santa Cruz – He's a he's a fighter's fighter in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I love watching him. I, I I love the way uh, he fights. It. The thing I don't like is that that moving of the hand thing. I mean that's going to hurt him. And the older he gets, uh, that's going to be the demise of him. But uh, uh, we'll be talking about that fight next week. We'll be doing our post fight uh, on that. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a competitive fight. I, I, you know Rivera. Um, is just has not fought the level of opposition by any way, shape, or form uh, that Leo Santa Cruz has, and yeah. um, the age. Although in boxing, youth is usually gets the lean. You lean towards the youth, uh, but uh, not so much in this one. The other fight on that card is going to be another. Uh, well, uh, it, the first, the Leo Santa Cruz against Miguel Flores would have been, a, a, in my opinion, a competitive fight. But the co-main event on that card. Uh, Omar Figueroa uh, against John Molina. Uh, that ought to be a, a, an intense fight. Both of these guys throw a lot of punches and take punches. Um, so I, that ought to be an interesting. John Molina is a type of fighter that um, lets you beat the crap out of him. And then uh, you're thinking he's almost done, uh, but you can't lift your hands anymore. Next thing you know, he stops you. And Figueroa has done similar uh, stuff. So I, I think this is going to be a, an exciting fight. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very good fight. And uh, you know, you never discount Molina and Figueroa. I'll tell you what. I think uh, I think it's a great fight. I'm looking forward to that fight equally as much as Santa Cruz. Yeah. No. I, I'm with you. There's a couple other fights uh, next week as well that are going to be available uh, on uh, television as well. ESPN is going to have Rob Brandt against uh, Kasana Bengsugorov. Uh, on that one, and uh, Bang Sugarov is a, uh, a talented fighter, and Rob Brandt, he uh, had lost in the super middleweight tournament, but came back uh, as a middleweight and is doing well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this fight is for the WBA regular middleweight. You know, I, I just it, it boggles my mind that the uh, WBA has the scruples to even refer to their title as a regular title and then the other title in the same weight as their super title. I mean, they just they just don't care, you know. But uh, yeah. uh, And then uh, also uh, the same day, February 15th, uh, Shoahan uh, Ergazev against uh, Mikhail Fox uh, in the uh, junior welterweight uh, as a main event on Showtime as well. Uh, Showbox uh, series, so um, got some decent little fights uh, coming our way next oh, week, yeah. and then of course the week after, Sal, uh, some more. So we 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 got a busy uh, twenty nineteen so far, which is all good. So far, I'm telling you, and, and you wait to. I'm sure we're gonna have some great spring and, and summer fights, and then fall we'll close it out. We'll be talking about what a great year two thousand nineteen was for boxing. Hey, slow it down. Why are you rushing the year already? I mean, come on, come on. You know, but uh, uh, in any event, any final thoughts, my man? I'll tell you what. Uh, no, I think that uh, you know it was good to see uh, the fights. Uh, well, I, 
I want to see Davis keep on the right track. That's all. He's a good fighter, talented fighter, and uh, I like like him a lot. And I think he's going to be uh, the face of boxing for for a while. He is, plays his cards right. Yeah, I agree. I hope he uh, uh, stays on the right track uh, for sure. Don't forget if you know where we brought and coach isn't allowed because uh, yeah, coach uh, knows he, it all. he already knows. But uh, yeah. if you know where um, we actually where we broadcast our first show, which was 15 years ago, uh, if you can email me the the correct answer where we broadcast our first show from, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G uh, dot com. I will send you uh, your very own copy of. Uh, the title bout championship computer game, the same game that Alex does our blast from the past. And speaking of blast from the past, don't forget to tune in to our 24 hour, seven day a week, uh, television network, the Billy C boxing network. Uh, it's on, uh, all the major uh, streaming services like Roku and Google play and uh, a bunch of others for all the information on where you can watch it, uh, on your television and to create a free account, just go to Ginico USA.com. That's, G-I-N-I-K-O-U-S-A dot com uh, 24-7 if you go up there right now uh, and uh, watch the network. We've been putting up uh, replays of this show as well as shows from uh, years gone by. And then also all of our special, the whole Billy C. Boxing Revisited series are up there. Uh, we have other events we've done. Uh, we've had the uh, pre- and post-fight shows that we've done at uh, Sal's Place. Uh, so all of that stuff uh, is up there. Some great uh, interviews with uh, former world champions and, and boxing Hall of Famers. So uh, uh, you're going to want to check that out for sure if you haven't already. So make sure you create an account and uh, watch it 24-7. But uh, Anyway, hey, listen, boys and girls, that concludes our show for today. Uh, all I'm going to say is this. Make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.